Hi, I'm Dan Sanguinetti. And I am Russell Lee. And this is Film Rhapsody. Heaven has no rage, like love to hatred turned, or hell of fury, like a woman scorned. Halloween episode. As we chronicle the making of our new film, Alice, Russell and I look back on the scary movies that inspired our own horror journeys. We count down the top five horror films that inspired us to make our own, and we talk about shooting the Alice concept reel that we produced back in July to help build interest in our project. But first, let's go for a walk down memory lane. Halloween will always be a notable event in my career as a filmmaker. Back in 2011, we launched my first crowdfunding campaign for our zombie horror feature, Theater of the Dead. We held a press event that included two zombies made up by makeup artist extraordinaire, Kirsten Pawlicki, a ton of cast and crew, and amazingly, members of the press. Yes, they actually turned up, and I was definitely thrown by their attendance. Though, this was a time when zombies weren't overplayed and overrated, with AMC's The Walking Dead still in its infancy, and the playful delights of Shaun of the Dead continue to ring gloriously throughout everyone's fresh zombie brains. I could have never imagined on that day that for the next eight years and beyond that I'd think of myself as a horror filmmaker. But there I was, standing in front of my peers in the media. I experienced any public speaker's worst nightmare. My mouth froze. I had no words. I stood there in almost silence, my lips quivering, looking to make a sound. It didn't. It may have not been my first public speaking event, but at that point, it was by far the most important. This was about raising money for our feature film. Somehow, perhaps thanks to the encouraging support of people that I still make films with today, the words began to form. I brought the presentation to its climactic moment. In an ad-libbed action, an effort to save the day, I awkwardly picked up a laptop that I should have been reading from in the first place and invited one of the zombies to launch the Indiegogo campaign. Staying in perfect zombie character, he tried to point out that the Canberra Times website was on the screen and not the campaign. As he moaned professionally, as if he had walked off the Walking Dead set, he gestured his arm towards the screen, barely scratching the keyboard. Instantly, I snapped the laptop shut, announcing the crowdfunding campaign was now live. I was met with joyous cheers and applause. As he shuffled away, that's how I made a zombie roll his eyes. Happy Halloween, Russell. This podcast is scaring me. Uh-huh. Are <laughs> you, how have you been in the last week? Freak it out now, but good, yeah. Yeah. Well, we have decided that for our first Halloween episode, we're going to explore a bit more about 
our Alice trailer that we, well, concept reel that we worked on, um, what was it, in July? July, yeah. Somehow the graveyard we hanged at is less scary than this soundbite. <laughs> so yeah, so we put together a concept trailer so that we can start pitching the project on a more financial level yep. um, to, I guess, potential investors and distributors and things like that. Um, I guess the the main idea behind that was so that we didn't go in cold when we start saying, what is Alice and what it's about? So, um, I mean, we, we went through a number of different um, iterations of the concept reel. I believe we were going to do a short film yep. originally, but we decided and settled on going with a false trailer. We came very close to shooting the beginning of the film, which is now not actually in the script. We had a sequence that survived the first few drafts, and then we decided that we didn't want it at all. And for a while, that was going to be it. We were going to have our first kill. We are going to have set up to some of the main characters, but not actually see the main characters. And we were going to have a, our first look at Alice. And um, ultimately, we decided to, to write a trailer based on the feature script, bringing some actors to play certain roles. We shifted around some of the kills that showed off some of the movie. We had a friend of ours, Shaney Lee Smith, play the role of Alice. We had Emma Peden play Chloe. And we had Jacob Kilner play Matt. And, um, yeah, we shot it over two days. One day in Goulburn, one day in Canberra. And uh, had a lot of fun doing it. The ideas that the trailer has, I mean, like, it isn't a type of trailer I think a, say, like a distributor or a sales agent would actually put together to advertise a film. I think the way that the that we've put it together was so that, it actually gave all the key information we need to know if we were to make this film, this is what it would look like. When there's a team involved, like you and I and, and, and other, other practitioners who are working together, mm-hmm. what would you say is the reason behind us going for this approach? Well, you can write the best script in the world, yeah. but it's some, sometimes you can't actually envision what it's going to be like. Um, a lot, a lot of the times, some of the best movies uh, just lay on the page, and it's not until actors bring them to li- the characters to life, and you go out there and you shoot them to actually see it. So this is a way of us being like, okay, we can't afford to shoot the entire movie right now, but we can give you a little taste. This is what we want the movie to look like. This is what we want the movie to feel like. This is some of the stuff you're going to see in it, but this is the general vibe. And if you give us some money, we, we can, can make, make it better. Yeah, we <laughs> can make it better. We can, uh, yeah. And now, obviously, we, we decided to shoot this in Goulburn because mm-hmm. we had been wanting to choose Goulburn as the film's location yep. um, for quite a while. I, I believe we we scouted uh, back in 2018. Yep, in, um, uh, I think it was September or yeah, October. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, and it was, I mean, we, we it was kind of winter. Oh, no, it was spring. Yep. Yes, it was spring, but we ended up shooting in the middle of winter. Um <laughs> Which uh, made it interesting because, you know, obviously a horror film is generally at night. Yep. And it was genuinely in dark places. I think I think it added to the mood. Yeah. And so what that meant was we found ourselves in a graveyard. Yes, the Goulburn Graveyard, I think it was called. That was, what, about an hour and a half, I think we were there for, freezing our butts off in the minus two degree weather. And I think uh, in the trailer, if, um, you, can, you can see... Um, poor Emma Peden's breath just misting out in front of her, just 
her turning a, a nice lovely shape, shade of blue as, as the as shooting went on. So we also shot part of the trailer at the Canberra Technology Park, which is where we're recording this podcast. Yep, just a few feet away, actually. Yeah, and um, there was a certain malfunction that I think we need to talk <laughs> about a bit of one of our blood effects that um, left me quite panicked because uh, the Canberra Technology Park is... Um, my landlord basically for Sanguinetti Media and yep. there was a uh, a blood cannon. So basically what, what happened was the, the hose was connected to an air compressor. It was supposed to blow you know, a, a big burst of blood. Yeah. And, you know, on, on our first take, we hit the, ma- the massive air compressor, which was incredibly loud, even in that small confined space. Yeah. And it, the hose tore off his... Yeah, the gaffer tape just... Yeah, just ripped it right off. Ripped off. Of his neck. And... And bl- blood pretty much sprayed everywhere. Like, everywhere. Everywhere. Roof. Yeah. Walls. Walls. Camera. Yep. Cast, crew. I, I think the, the interesting thing was after we... I think it was uh, two more takes to get it perfect. Yeah. In the it, end. It, and, and, you know, like, it's one of those things. I mean, it's trial and error. So I, I actually built the compressor gun, the, the, the blood cannon through, like basically watching YouTube videos. Um, it's, it's not complicated at all. It's actually quite simple to do. I mean, the whole, whole idea is using an air compressor, you want to get the blood to sort of spurt out the end of a hose. I just did not factor in the power of the <laughs> air compressor. Oh, yeah. And the lack of strength that the gaffer tape would have against yep. his neck. It, it goes to show just how uh, dedicated both the cast and crew are to helping us get Alice off the ground is that we spent a good half hour afterwards <laughs> cast oh, and crew probably longer cleaning up the walls yeah and just cleaning up the murder scene so you know yeah. it, didn't it was freak out everyone else it was literally <laughs> us looking like we were cleaning up a murder scene yep yep um and perhaps the most hilarious part of that, there was a security camera watching the entire thing the whole time <laughs> and no one turned up. So luckily yep. <laughs> we were good. Um, but yes, uh, that that I think is always going to be a strong memory to and have. That, and the blood kind of still remains there today. Yeah, there's a few spots we missed, uh, unfortunately. Yep. Um, but yeah, as we mentioned at the start, the camera technology park is being rebuilt at yep. some stage in the future and if anyone from the camera technology park is listening <laughs> to this podcast um i am so sorry um it, hey it, guys. <laughs> it 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 like it's cleaned it's all clean there's a few specs left um i mean before it was cleaned it sort of looked like a bit of a jackson pollock painting yeah it was it was yep. like yeah it was a crazy amount of blood now it's just sugar and, and food it's coloring it's and just art. Yeah, it was, it was art, art that we're trying to do and, you know. It's messy, we cleaned it up. Yeah. So we'll be releasing that concept reel mm-hmm. actually right now as maybe as if you're listening to this on Halloween. Um, we've just put it up onto the Sanguinetti Media Facebook page. Yep. So it's sort of facebook.com forward slash Sanguinetti Media. Podcast, go check it out. Yeah, and, and I will put in the in, in, in the um, description. I mean, it's got a very limited amount of space in the description, but yeah, go check it out. Um, have a look at what we're thinking the film is going to be like. Uh, mm-hmm. It's just it's just an example. It's just a, a way of expressing our tone and feel that we're hoping to do. Um, it's rough, but we're, we're, it, it shows the feelings of it. Yeah, that's right. That's right. So go check it out. Have a look. Um, and yeah, we'll obviously have more updates on how Alice is going soon. Yes, we will. Okay, so 
it's Halloween. I guess that means we should talk about scary shit. Scary movies. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. I will have a confession straight up. Complete confession. I have never really liked horror movies. Mm. And I, I think I think because the term horror movie has grown and changed a lot. Yep. So my my favorite sort of horror genre films are more probably on the thriller level. Yeah. But you know, I, I guess it there is a bit of interest in the gore and the the blood off horror films that that is there, but it's never been. It can like, be fun, but you you can take it and leave it. I'm not the biggest horror fan myself. Yeah. I'm, I'm more of a sci-fi fan. Yeah. Um, but you know, I, I tend to, I tend to write what comes to me. Yeah. Alice, I think Alice would make a very bad musical. <laughs> right. Yeah. It would make a pretty good horror film. Yeah. So that's what the story was going to be. So yeah. I tend to write what I, what works. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I still do enjoy horror films. Yeah. yeah. And, and I mean, you know, like, I guess we, uh, as Australians uh-huh. have a very different, sort of Halloween experience. Um, As in non-existent, yeah. Yeah, well, yeah. No, I mean, my street does. My street does the trick-or-treat thing and stuff. And well, it started in the last probably 10 years, I think. Yeah. It's been pushed on people. Yeah, but the Halloween thing is much more an American yeah. trait. I mean, I lived in the UK for 10 years. Mm-hmm. Um, and, yeah, I, I guess because it's very close to another sort of national event called Guy Fawkes Night. Yeah. Um, the two events sort of tie into each other. So Halloween and Guy Fawkes sort of flows together and in Guy Fawkes it's it's to commemorate when um, some guy tried to blow up parliament houses and so they you know non-horringly says I said we should probably celebrate (laughs) they uh, well (laughs) they 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 uh, well I don't know if they celebrate it I think they honour it or they commemorate it by burning a an effigy of Guy Fawkes on a bonfire um which, Which is we quite. Saw in our v for Vendetta, wasn't it? Yeah, it's quite morbid, really, as a thing. I guess that ties very closely to the Halloween feel, but that's kind of been my experience growing up. So, with that in mind, it's it's interesting to try and deconstruct what our experience with Halloween is like, considering it's not something that's really as deeply a part of our culture. But it, it, it well, is. I, I did actually go trick or treating once. Oh, there you go. It was uh, 1985, I believe. Yep. I went trick-or-treating around my neighborhood as a ghost. Yep. I wore a sheet covered in flowers. Yep. Because we didn't have a white sheet. Yep. I kept bumping into things because mum wouldn't let me get cut eye holes out. Yep. And after about five or six houses of people being like, hey, this is Australia, we don't have Halloween here, I went home. Oh, well, there you go. Yeah. Um, which means that most of our Halloween stuff, I guess, comes from American... From the movies, yeah. American Hollywood yeah. sort of, you know, that that sort of um, connection. and um, Still waiting for it to snow on Christmas? Yeah, yeah, that's right. <laughs> I mean, well, see, that's the thing. In England, I got that. Yep. We did have a few white Christmases. Not many um, because it sort of snows later in January. But, yep. you know, um, yeah, it is a very different experience in Australia, yeah. um, which makes it interesting that Alice starts as... On Halloween night. On, on Halloween night, yeah. and it's... You know, it's a quiet Australian country town. Um, but I guess that that's where the sort of the fictional world that we're creating yeah. sort of exists. It's, it's, it could be a, an American town, but it's yeah. very much got its own unique Australian elements to it as it's well. It's not the first time that I've done something like that. I, in, in my first um, feature script reunion, 
I sort of had this United States of America attitude for where the town was. Mm. Uh, took a little bit of Australian, took a little bit of American, and meshed it up so it was more of a universal town. Like you can live here if you're in America or in Australia. So that's kind of what Alice is. Like here, yeah. Alice is set, hopefully, in the uh, in the 1980s, in a time when Australia really didn't give a damn about Halloween. Yeah. And so this is Halloween party going on, and um, yeah. So it, it's hopefully it crosses boundaries. That's the intention of it. Yeah. To, to not just be okay. This is Australia. You have to deal with it being an Australian thing that you can't connect with in America, or vice versa. You can't connect with the American stuff in Australia. So yeah. hopefully universal. Um, and I guess I guess a lot of what Alice tends to bring out is sort of. Um, both our love for Halloween movies or mm-hmm. scary movies, um, yep. slasher movies, and that that sort of thing, um, but there is also the where the story tends. Well, the story does go towards in that it, it's also Christmas movie. Yes, um, and I think that's because uh, that that's a sort of um, a selfish affection for Shane Black movies. Um, <laughs> and, well, at least his style of, t- you know, him and his Christmas yep. affection. But I think Christmas movies really do sort of, you know, oh, there's something there's something about it that yeah. I really love. But I love even more when horror movies are set during Christmas time. It's kind of interesting because I remember when you first started talking about, okay, we're going to start on Halloween because I, I think originally the party was later in the script. Yeah. So it was kind of ends on Halloween. So the the idea of starting on Halloween and sort of ending on Christmas and having this horror movie that, that all logic says it should happen over a few days' time, happening over a couple of months' time, took me a little time getting used to it. And then I sort of put my thinking hat on and came up with an in-universe reason why it takes that long to happen. And I'm very happy with that decision now. Yeah, I think it's very... Very interesting and different and smart. Now, when it comes to horror movies, um, we've been chatting before we started recording mm-hmm. um, a bit about some of the horror movies that we both really enjoy and love. And we we kind of also said, let, like, let's limit to talking about only five. And we <laughs> were like, oh, God, okay, which five? Because, you know, and we ended up Googling. I've seen your top six, top five films. Yeah, Googling <laughs> 200 best horror films just to sort of get a sense of maybe we can whittle it down. Yeah. Um, but we, but we, I think we've, we've got five mm-hmm. horror films that we both like. So um, we're going to do a bit of a Halloween horror yeah. countdown. Um, Russell, I believe you've prepared earlier <laughs> a theme song. You're incorrect. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you might sing. No. No. Uh. Okay. Well, not until the soundtrack. Oh, there you go. Okay. (laughs) All right. So, all right. Well, we'll do it this way then. Number five. What's number five on your list? Number five is actually, it's a movie I haven't seen since I was probably about seven or eight, long before I should have actually seen it. Um, It was actually one of the first videos my mother ever rented from the pizza bar slash video store, and I haven't seen it since then. It's probably not very good. It's Chud. Chud? Okay, I've not... Cannibalistic Humanoid Underground Dwellers. Oh, my God. It <laughs> is... I think, I, like I said, been a while since I've seen it. Yeah. As I recall, it was a zombie film set in New York. Yep. 
with zombies in the sewers. Yeah. I think Randy Quaid okay. or Dennis Quaid. One of the Quaids. Or a Quaid Quaid was yep. in the movie. Okay. And it's kind of become a bit of a cult classic. Okay. I remember watching a good portion of it behind a pillow, Scared Shitless. Yep. And I remember just having a tremendous effect on me. Like that, That's one of my earliest horror movie memories. Now, I probably saw Hitchcock before then. I probably saw mm. um, The Exorcist before then. But that, that image just sort of stuck with me, just being terrified of probably this campy, silly, silly horror film that goes... The sequel is called Chud, um, Bud the Chud, huh. and it's more of a comedy. Okay. Um, I think now the, the movies are kind of hard to see because it, it's lost in distributing hell. Yeah. Um, no one knows who owns the writer. I know Kevin Smith for a while was talking about making, uh, doing a remake of the whole thing. Yep. But yeah, Chud is one of those films that really influenced me. Okay. Well, the number five of mine, I cheated. I apologize. Uh I've well, got number five and six. Yeah, well, it's five and six, but it's number five because it's it's kind of the same movie, isn't it? Yeah, you're, you you can argue it's not, um, but it's Jaws. Yeah, and Land Jaws, <laughs> or, Jaws. Or, or Tremors. Tremors. I, I I mean, like if we're talking which one influenced me more, you would expect me to say Jaws because mm-hmm. the work of Steven Spielberg is. You know, I guess it's it's my it's my blueprint as much as Peter Jackson's work has it's a been. Lot of people's blueprints. Um, yeah, uh, but I think I think most influ- influential would be Tremors. Yeah, I think what like it's it's ridiculous. It's it, I mean, it's god frightening as a, a concept where you know you just you're walking on the ground and something un- under the ground is kind of coming I don't actually eat re- you. remember if I've actually seen Tremors. Oh, dear. Or uh, podcast over. I, yeah. <laughs> we are done professionally. Yeah. yeah. I, I think I might have... I, I have certain memories. Like I know Kevin Bacon's in it. Yep. I don't know. Is Michael Gross in the first one? Or He's is he in, in every single one somehow and some of them are set hundreds of years in, <laughs> in the past. Um, is he in the TV series? He, I think he guest stars. Of course he does. Yeah. <laughs> and yes, I've I've seen all of them apart from one of the more recent um, sequels. Yeah. I believe there is a remake coming out too. Um, and I've watched the TV series. So yes, I'm I'm very much a fan of Tremors and was this, a bit this disappointed. Is a, this is a side note, but I know with like the Tremors TV series, they've just put out a Critters TV series. Oh yeah, I did see and that. I yeah. really want to see that. I think I love yeah. I love the Critters movies when I was a kid. Yeah. Yeah. You know, Granted that they like the ghoulies were knockoff gremlins. Yeah. But yeah, I, d- I just I just love going back to that whole stuff. But yeah, one question I wanted to ask is now, Tremors. I think is there six or seven movies something like that. Oh, I've I've lost track. Now, I mean, Jaws, anyone can IMDb. Jaws has five movies. Four. Five. What's the fifth one? Deep Blue Sea. Uh. <laughs> I saw that movie and I'm like. This is awesome. This is like the Jaws sequel I've been wanting to yeah, see. Yeah, okay, I'll pay it. That shark killed Sam Jackson. That was awesome. I loved it. Yeah, that was a good moment in yeah. that film. Um, Which series do you prefer out of the two? Because some of the sequels are, I know with Jaws, don't know with Tremors. Oh no, Tremors are like just shocking. In 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 balancing it from Jaws to Tremors, Tremors as a, as a franchise does way better than Jaws. Um, so there's no scenes in Tremors where the what what are the the monsters called? Um, Grabble. Well, each movie they the they, they evolve, right. so they all become and turn into different things. So there's no scene in the Tremors movies where the the Graboids follow Michael Gross to the Caribbean. 
Um, and somehow get there before he does. Uh, <laughs> like there was in Jaws the Revenge. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> in the third one... No Romancing by Michael Caine. The third one, they be- are able to fly. <laughs> I'm going to see these films. <laughs> I'm really going to see these films. Um, <laughs> now, are, are these... Like, I remember a few years back there was a movie called Holes. And I remember seeing like a, a trailer for that thing. That's, that's a kid's movie. Yeah. Okay, but it's not connected. I know, but is that kind of along the same lines no. as Tremors? No? No, no. Tremors is, is like land sharks. like Land jaws. Yeah, land jaws. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's... It's kind of funny. I, I, at, a, at, a, at a time when I was younger, I had this idea of, of just parroting jaws with a, a movie called Teeth. And there was literally a scene where Jaws is behind the wheel of a car chasing the family down the highway. It's, did that happen in Tremors? Uh, probably. <laughs> I think Tremors have done it, um, to be honest. But Greg Woods is driving cars. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm not, I wouldn't be surprised. Gotta get this box out. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> All, right, All right, let's move on to number four. Number four for me is a, a recent film. I'm not too sure how many years ago it was. I caught it on Netflix about a year ago. ago. It's called Hush. Okay. Real simple movie. I think there's maybe five or six people in the movie. And it's about a, a deaf woman who is living by herself in the woods. And she's... I thought I saw it. But no, as soon as you said woods, really I awesome, like... Really awesome yeah. film. Really simple premise. Really cool film. Um, and basically she is going about her night, doesn't realise her neighbour is banging on the door and being killed by a masked man. Eventually she, um, eventually, about a minute or so later, she does discover this, and then the entire movie is the masked man trying to get into the house and get her, and she fights back. And it is so well done. It was most likely a very inexpensive movie to make. I think the, um, the actress that played the deaf woman was the writer. Um, just such a great film. So simple. Shows you what you can do with just a, a whole fuck ton of imagination and the desire to make make a film. Very okay. very and, and very influential on what I want to do with Alice. Oh. Um, my number four is uh, 1408. I and remember it, but I haven't seen it. Oh my God. That's Podcast King. over. <laughs> We're done officially again. Yeah. Um, <laughs> That's Stephen King, isn't uh, it? I, you know, I'm, here's me making fun of you, and you've just said two films I haven't seen, so podcast. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, look, 1408 was a surprise. I'm, I, I thought it would be like way more scarier than it is, mm-hmm. and it's a scary film. Um, I just think it was just crafted so well um, in that. And I mean, John Cusack gives just a performance. Mm-hmm. I just love it. Like, he was great in it. I think that was the main draw. It's just I was able to follow his character's, you know, emotional journey through that. And, you know, I, I, I just left, like, really satisfied mm-hmm. at the end. It was a satisfying movie. And, and Was this a Stephen King? I believe, uh, yeah, I think it is. Stephen King. Or probably a short story, I imagine. I think it was based off a short story. I don't think mm-hmm. it was based off a full novel. Um, but and it, it's basically a bunch of people at a motel. Yeah, well, it's about a writer that John Cusack plays. He's a horror Stephen writer. Stephen King wrote a, a story about a writer. He, he, he hardly ever does that. Yeah, I know. Um, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, and, like, basically, he, he... I think he stopped believing in horror. I think, I think that's, like, the main 
concept. And so he's becoming like a skeptic. He lost his faith, basically. He is gone to stay at this hotel to survive, I think, 10 days of living there. Yeah. Or, or being there. And, and um, so he set himself maybe to write. Uh, yeah, the idea is yeah to write, and of course that always works out well. You the, know? Yeah, it it is so haunted, um, and yeah, I love it. Now, it I think was, you mentioned that Sam Jackson's in it. Yes, he is. Is he a ghost? Uh, Does that spoil the movie? I don't think no, number he's, three. He's not a ghost. <laughs> yeah, let's move on. All right, uh, my number three is Nightmare on oh, Elm wait, Street. I didn't get to say number three. <laughs> <laughs> um, my number three. Is Nightmare on Elm Street. Okay. Part three. Oh. The Dream Warriors. Okay. Now this this is kind of my how to do a sequel right. Yep. Um for for those who have seen the Nightmare on Elm Street movies or haven't, part two was the only departure from the from the genre really. Mm-hmm. The genre has always been Freddy goes after someone that lives in the in Nancy's house. It's usually a female hero. Mm-hmm. Number two was a male hero, so it's, it's actually kind of called the homoerotic Nightmare on Elm Street because there's a lot of gay tones in it. Yeah, and it didn't wasn't very well received, I don't think. And they did some weird things with Freddy, like he was just running around killing people in the real world, and everyone was like, "Well, how, how the hell does he do that?" Oh, don't worry, we'll explain it in the next movie. And then they ignored it for the next 20 years. Oh, okay, yeah. Nightmare on Elm Street 3 is how you do a sequel right. They brought back Nancy. Yep. They brought back her father. They expanded on the lore and introduced his mother. The origin of how he was born, the, the whole um, son of a thousand maniacs. And uh, on top of all that, it does something I love and something I really want to do with Alice. It had an awesome rock and roll soundtrack with Dokken, um great 80s band providing the theme song which I still listen to way too much <laughs> or after God what has it been it's been 33 32 years mm-hmm. still love that song still love that movie although I should should say that there's one notable exception like I, I really love Nightmare 5 as well which I don't think a lot of people like it was a Rennie Harlan's Nightmare on Elm Street where he brought in all these neon lights and just Oh, so you went Joel Schumacher. Oh, it looks so awesome. Uh-huh. Crap movie, but it was <laughs> so awesome. But yeah, Nightmare on Elm Street 3, The Dream Warriors, number three for me. Um, mine is Hitchcock's The Birds. Oh, you went classic. Uh, yeah. yeah uh, I think what really gets me about that film is just the way it's edited. It is like so well edited. It's beautiful. Although given this time of year, it's kind of like a documentary in Australia. Well, yeah. Swooping down, attacking. I, I mean, you, I cannot walk past a play, playground of birds and not think of that scene. I mean, it is like, and, and what's so clever is that it's it's not that horrific and nothing's explained. It's a movie where the birds just go crazy mm-hmm. and it, it doesn't matter. I mean, it's like, I guess it's the end of the world. It's an apocalypse. It's, it's, it's you know, it's the asteroid hitting Earth. I guess it's obvious what's going on. Yeah. Um, but the, the journey that the characters go through and and the tension that exists, it just you know I believed it was way ahead of its time. And the scene where the um the birds hit the town mm-hmm. and the petrol station explodes and all that sort of thing, it's I mean it's it's something that I just didn't think would have been put to film in the sixties. Now it, this is my my we are done professional moment of the um <laughs> of the quiz. Yeah, 
Hitchcock, I know he directed. Mm. Did he write? Yes. He did. I think so. so now, now I'm doubting myself, but yeah, yeah I, I, he was a write, di- writer director. He was, he crafted that from those, all these films, I think. I think, I think as I remember, because I remember back in the day, and this is, it might have been before you were born, or at least when, before you started watching movies, we had like, I don't think it was called Hitchcock Theatre. Yeah. But there was like a Hitchcock TV show that was on every Saturday night on on Canberra TV. Yeah. Um, so I got got a chance to grow up with Hitchcock. And one thing I remember about a lot of Hitchcock films, he's, he came up with a simple idea and went to town went on it. He turned, turned it on his head, made it made it scary. Yeah. That was always the one thing that you, you love about Hitchcock. And I think the birds too. It's been a while since yeah. I've seen the birds, but I remember liking it, liking it a lot. Okay. Yeah. All right, moving on. Mm-hmm. Number two. Number two for me is In the Mouth of Madness. This is um one of the last, I don't want to say good, but one of the last John Carpenter movies he made before he sort of retired in the 90s. Um, it's very HP Lovecraft. Mm-hmm. It's, it's very trippy. It's uh, about a private investigator played by Sam Neill. Uh, he's been hired by a publishing house to find a writer named Sutter Kane, who is kind of like Stephen King, who owes them a book, but they can't find him. So he goes with, he goes on a road trip with the editor uh, to a place that ten- turns out to be actually a place that's inside the books. So they basically they tr- go into the books and come across Sutter Kane, come across the, the strange um, Lovecraftian type of monsters that are around and things that are in his books coming, coming to life. And basically, he gets the manuscript, takes it out into the world, and the manuscript is what is going to make the world insane. So it's basically this apocalyptic tale about how the world is slowly going insane because of this book. And I guess towards the end, they're like, okay, well, not everyone reads, that's okay. The movie will do it. Mm. And the, the caveat of the whole movie is that the movie, the character of, I think it was John something or other that Sam Neill played, was a character in this mo- um, this book that he had written. Mm. And we're watching the movie as the movie goes along and it's phenomenally good. You seem to like the meta yeah. side of these. Yeah, because... Every now and then. Yeah, yeah I mean, you, you we were talking um, before the podcast recording about um, uh, The New Nightmare. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Wes Craven's New Nightmare. Yep. Which I I somehow just missed from my radar. I was like, what's what's th- what's uh, they made another Nightmare yeah. film before uh, they after, did the remake uh, after Freddy's Dead and b- b- before um Freddy vs Jason they made um Wes Craven's New Nightmare, which was set in the real world. Um, the actress who played Nancy played herself. Wes Craven played himself. Robert Engel played himself, and it was basically about how the Nightmare in Elm Street's the Nightmare on Street films contain this otherworldly evil. And now that they stopped making the movie, movies the evil has sort of... Oh, so it connects with the, the, the second one? Um, Nightmare on Street? Yeah. Um, not not in the in the sense... Because you were saying he was killing people in the real world. Yeah, oh, but basically, you know, how he kills people in the dreams. Oh, right, so right, right. In that yeah, movie, yeah, okay. he was somehow manifesting in the real world and yeah, it yeah. made no sense. So he's manifesting in the real, real world. Yeah. So yeah. now it's in the real, real world. We watched a trailer not, not so long ago, and it's it, it's a terrible trailer. It doesn't really do the, the movie justice. It comes off looking like a, like a documentary. Yeah. But it's, yeah, it's, it's very cool. 
um, they redesigned Freddy. They took away the glove and made it sort of a claw because it wasn't actually Freddy. It was this demon character. Yeah. And um, yeah, it was the first time the Wes Craven came back to the series. First and only time. Yeah. And it, it was pretty popular. Yeah. Okay. But completely off your radar. Yeah. No, I was, yeah. I was so a bit surprised. It's something I'm going to definitely check out. Movie night. Yeah, movie night. Yep. So no, my number two, um, I, I don't know. I reckon I'm going to get some groans over this one. <laughs> um, but I think like the, the series for me is um, just so influential in story, my storytelling, in, in my horror interest in slasher movies. It's and like I guess... centipede, is it? Uh, no, no. And no. no. <laughs> it is Scream 2. Ah, nudes. <laughs> Um, you hipster, you. Well, you see, I'm. Um, I, well, I believe you were a child of the eighties. Mm-hmm. I am a child of the nineties. Oh, you poor sucker! <laughs> and Scream was quite influential. It came out like it was. I was a bit too young to see the first one when it came out. I actually, I actually remember seeing the first one. I, I saw it at, um, at the Electric Shadows Theater in Canberra. Yeah, and I think I, th- I, I, I knew nothing about it. Absolutely yeah. nothing about it. I didn't know there was Craven. Did it all I saw was the poster with Drew Barrymore, and I was like, "Oh, I like Drew Barrymore." Yeah, had no idea about it, so I went into it completely cold. Yeah, loved it. I, I I do like the Scream films. I will give I will give them shit. Yeah, but mostly because of all the copycats and clones that came out after well, it. True. Um, yeah, it, it started it, it, a genre of its own. Yeah, it set the mold for for yeah. slasher movies, basically. Um, but that's what I liked it in a way. I mean, why Scream Two was, I think, really good for me as a influencing film was is is it dealt much more deeply into what horror films can do and sequels mm-hmm. um i guess i guess as like a, my nightmare three yeah and and in a way that um you know a young person interested in media um i was just on the edge of really my interest in film really taking off when i finally saw scream 2 which would have not been in 97 when it came out um, um 97 or 98 yeah, but it would have been like 99, 2000 is when I saw it. And that's when I was like being a filmmaker. So the whole idea of, you know, these characters sitting in a room talking about movies and saying, what's the best film, you know, film sequel when they're in a sequel. That there are rules to surviving a horror film. Exactly. And and, and it, I guess it just helped, um, you know, form a, 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 a opinion on, on how films exist and why they exist and and i guess there was a lot of like seeing these characters that um you know i i I enjoyed watching in the first one Mm -hmm. um to see them sort of progressing and growing and kind of trying to pick the whodunit side of it as well which to be honest i mean my interest in in crime shows and things is always like trying to like work out who did the murder and stuff and i think that's why that film works well, the series works so well because it's not just the slasher stuff. It's a mystery. It's who can you put all the dots it's also together? Kind of the nineties thing we, we saw with like Saved by the Bell with Beverly Hills Diner Two One Zero. Yeah, they were in high school. Now they're in college. Yep, yep. Moving on to the next generation. Pretty much. Which, yeah. My, fu- I guess, I, I guess I've got a pretty funny Scream Two story. Yep. I I dragged my poor mother to see Scream Two. And it was a back cinema. We were surrounded by girls who screamed at every goddamn thing. Mm. But the funny PS was when they revealed, and this is a bit of a spoiler for people who haven't seen it, so hold on tight for a 20-year spoiler. When they revealed the, the first of the killers and Timothy Oliphant took the mask off, I had no idea who he was. 
I completely forgot his character in the movie. And he's in the movie a fair amount of time. He's a, a friend of Randy's. He has a, a scene with um, Sydney at the hospital. He isn't an invisible character by any stretch of the imagination. Just completely forgot who he was. So when the mask came off, I was like, who's this guy? <laughs> and she, I remember um, Nev Campbell's character, Sydney, was like, um, Stu? And I'm like, is Ooh. that the boyfriend from part one? Didn't he die? Yeah. Is it the same actor? Yeah. And I had no cell phone, so I couldn't whip out IMDb and be like, no, that's not Johnny Depp's clone. Yeah. So I had absolutely no idea who it was. And it's kind of a weird thing. I don't, I don't know if it's the fault of the storytelling, the actor, me being a space cadet, but just the character left absolutely no impression on me. Yeah. Uh, funny say a story because the symmetry I have is when watching Scream 3, when, spoiler, the killer is revealed to be Sydney's brother, I was like, what? Yeah. Where, where did that come from? And I mean, it took me a couple of viewings for me to get, oh, he's the director of the Scream 3 movies that their whole film. The fact that when he took the mask off and he was like, Reverend Bridges, yeah. director, you went like, who? Oh, no, he was going. Yeah. It was so very similar. Like he just did not stand out as a villain. So his reveal was just. That's, that's kind of the problem with the Scream films beyond the first one. Yeah. The first one did it so well with the. Um, with the boyfriend, like it was like, nah, it can't be the boyfriend, and, and it's the, like, and cool, it is the boyfriend. And the cool thing about that, because and again with spoilers, is that it's the boyfriend and his best friend in, in the first movie. So you're looking at the movie um, in retrospect or in, in a second viewing, and you're like, okay, well, I guess he killed her, while the other one guy was covering for that one guy. So he was arrested. Oh uh, yeah, you're, so. you're trying to explain yeah. the movie logic, which. <laughs> You're going to find that breaks all the time yeah, anyway. Yeah. But yeah, no, no, yeah, you, you get that. But yeah, no, look, Scream 2, um, I just, I feel it came at the right time mm -hmm. in my development as a filmmaker. And so that's why it stands yeah. out as a influential thing. And um, yeah, I mean, I was well, just, I was it. just like, you cannot kill Randy. And they killed Randy. Yep. I mean, I guess in, I guess in the series, the only mistake they really made was three. And that was probably because they didn't lock the script before they, they wrote it. I remember watching the DVD. Yeah, but it's and it got Kevin Smith and Jay Moose in it. It makes up for all the errors, right? <laughs> Kevin Smith. Okay, so we should move to the big number one. Number one. Halloween. Oh, obviously. Oh, shut up. Yeah, well, it's a Halloween <laughs> countdown. Yeah, it is, but yeah. Not, not too obvious. Yeah. Yeah, Halloween for me was one of the earliest horror films I ever saw. It, it just left an indelible mark on me. But even more, it was sort of the blueprint for my first feature screenplay, Reunion. The whole movie is just this massive, long build-up. It just sets this incredible tone. And granted, you know, it's 40 years old, so horror movies have changed, audiences' reactions have changed. So it probably doesn't have the same reaction to most people but for me it, it did you know, it, it, it spent a good 60% of the movie building up before really anyone died and then shit starts happening and shit doesn't stop happening until the end and, that, and that just for those who get confused between Halloween and Friday the 13th mm -hmm. that's one, one the Jamie Lee Curtis one one is babysitters in the neighbourhood yep. the other is lakeside lakeside slasher camp camp Crystal yeah. Lake and so forth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because, yeah. I, I, I mean, I get them confused. Like, I have in the past. Um, and I think in, you know, like in trivia 
like trivia nights, they they ask you know who was the killer from Friday the Thirteenth, and yeah, you say what? So it's Mike Myers in Halloween. Michael Myers. Oh, no, not Mike Myers. Yeah, that's completely... Austin Powers. That's completely... That would be a good movie. I'm, I'm interested to see that. So he's, he's not called Michael. He's called... Like Mike. He's called Michael. Michael. Michael Myers. Michael Myers. Or AKA okay, The Shape. Okay. Which is what they refer to and, him and, as... And not... Stalkin. Fat Bastard. No, not Fat Bastard. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Jason Voorhees in Friday the 13th. That's right, yeah. Part um, 2 onwards. Oh, uh, yes, yes. Because obviously... That would be the screen trivia. Yes. And that's wh- and that's why your boyfriend is now dead. Yep. Yes. Um, and your number one? My number one. Um, John Carpenter. Yes. The thing. Ah. Uh-huh. Um, it's. I. I mean, I would like to just say it's just the best film horror film that I've ever seen. But I mean, look, look, there's so much more. I should say, because it's not that known. I mean, it's known and it's w- well known enough that that's film probably, that's probably film the buffs disappointing thing. Yeah, film Carter buffs films. know about it. Yeah, but I am always telling, oh, my favorite horror film is the thing, and they're like, oh, is that like the blob thing? I'm like, mm. no, 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 no. Like, you know, Kurt Russell in the snow, um, you know, John Carpenter, the, the 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 chest opening up, and he made Halloween, man. Yeah, like they they it's just it's just not on the radar of, I guess, more casual. Um, cinema watches. I, I guess there's obviously a few people there who are aficionados and they, they go, oh, good choice when you say mm-hmm. the thing. Um, I guess, yeah, I, I find that not everyone appreciates it. And, I, and why I say that, I'm going to tell a story about. Um, so uh, not in recent years, but in the past, I've uh, wanted to celebrate my birthday in a way that felt, Special because it's your birthday. Mm-hmm. Right. So some of the things I used to do was I used to put on um, parties where I gave out awards, like a movie award night, and I gave my friends awards because I thought that's a cool gimmick. Um, but then I'll I decided... i expecting an award for myself pretty soon. Yeah, well, that's right. I mean, I, 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 I would give my friends, yeah, awards. So, um, but one, one year I decided instead of doing the awards part, let's do the screening, right? The yeah. screening part because I'm filming. So I went I went to Bunnings and I bought all this timber and, and, and MDF and I built a large outdoor cinema <laughs> in my garden. Like, and I'm talking, oh, the screen would have been, oh, come on. A couple hundred inches. Oh, it was huge. It was a massive screen. And I advertised what films I was showing. So there was no surprise. Yeah, the popcorn. I had popcorn. It was outdoors. It was in the November when the sun, you know, it was warm. Yep. Um, it did start getting a little cold, but it was warm enough that we were sitting outside. Um, Just enjoying the night. Enjoying the night. But, and, and we put on something else first. I cannot remember what, something a bit more, um, sort of more open to other people to Austin enjoy. Powers oh, I can't remember what it was. <laughs> but then the second film I showed was The Thing. Yep. Um, and, to all the friends that were like the thing. Yeah, well, love. no, they. I mean, let, let's put it this way. Yeah, they thought it was okay. Yeah, we'll put it on. We're watching it, and by the end of the movie, it was only me and one other person, <laughs> and I was so disappointed. That's, it was that's kind of the thing with John Carpenter films. Like, aside from Halloween, most of these films aren't really appreciated, and for it like there's just some really crazy. Mo- and I mean, the question: who is the who is the alien? Who is mm-hmm. 
who's next? It was just this, the tension is so high in that movie. Um, and, you know, there's a lot of explosions and there's a lot of um, graphic blood, horror, gore stuff. And, and certainly it starts with the, the helicopter chase, chasing the dog and you're like, what the fuck's going on? Yeah, it's it's definitely... Are they cat people? Yeah, it, it's... I, I don't think I could ever really put into words why the thing is just my ultimate movie, mm-hmm. um, horror movie. Um, Here's the thing. Yeah. Did you see the remake? No. Yes, I did. I fell asleep <laughs> very quickly. Um, it was kind of slow. A, could you accept it being a prequel? Which yes. is kind of what it was. I, I did accept it as a prequel until all the CGI stuff destroyed yeah. it. And I know behind the scenes they were trying to... They did try to do practical. practical and I don't understand why they... So some idiot producer went, no, it looks terrible. we got to CGI it. I'm like, well, now it looks even more terrible. That's um, the thing. Yeah. We, and I guess the reason why I, and I, I guess you, just dig practical effects. They just look so much better. Practical effects are the bomb and I will do what I can to, to keep it. Sometimes I understand it's not possible and i understand now the way that movies go is that there is a mix of practical and computer generated um and obviously you can't do like massive armies like in in, uh, avengers yes but why not have a a practical vampire yeah or a werewolf yeah if you use cgi to enhance it then all the better but if you just do it as cgi it's um what what do they call the uncanny the uncanny valley yeah the, the brain just doesn't, just knows it's not real. Yeah. It just doesn't accept it. An example of that would be Rogue One and Grand Moff Tarkin. Mm. Um, he, I mean, it's really cool that he's in it and it's, I, it, it is integral to the story, but... I can't even remember seeing... I mean, it looked, it looks good. Like, it looks... At first it looked really good. Yeah, rewatches but not But then so he wouldn't go away. Yeah, that was true. He, he was on it probably too long and I think that's where it lost a bit. Um, and I mean, obviously, a young Carrie Fisher was interesting as well. It looked. It didn't look real. It didn't look right. But it was a nice bit. Yeah, and I, so I guess that's the argument. I mean, you know, we can flow into um, other recent films, Gemini Man, that's just come out and also flopped. Mm. Um, but it does look amazing. The work yeah. they're doing there. So there is that talk where the digital is going to supersede practical at some point yeah it's not there yet and i mean that's just my approach and that's i think where why, why the thing is just brilliant because mm. it's all practical and it looks so much more real and that was rick baker wasn't it uh yeah yeah rick baker and i mean obviously he's american um werewolf in in london and he did the sequel so many films so many yeah films, yeah. yeah um so yeah that, he, he, he created the effects for all our childhood well that's the end of our special Halloween episode Russell thank you for joining us thank you for letting me out of my cage oh sorry I locked you in there happens and in the next episode of Film Rhapsody I am joined by award winning filmmaker and producer Hugh Sanderson who breaks down his storytelling techniques and basically takes over the show I don't don't mean to interrupt but are you going to be walkies now no get back in your cage Film Rhapsody is produced by Dan Sanguinetti and Russell Lee for Sanguinetti Media. Head to sanguinettimedia.com.au to subscribe to all our episodes. Oh, I didn't record it.